title of the message is the Samaritans Receive the Gospel. Acts chapter 8, verses 5 to 17. There will be other verses that we're going to be looking at. And I just wonder, do you have a Bible? Do you have a Bible? Okay, because I'd like for you to look up scriptures in your Bible. I know uh, Josiah is very good to the voice from the back. Josiah. <laughs> uh, uh, we have, uh, but it's good for you to look the verses up and, and read them. I'll, I'll be reading out of the old King James. Some of you are going to look <clears throat> in a, another translation. It'll be, it'll, it'll be close. You'll be able to make connection, even though it's not the old King James. I still like the old King James, and uh, I've used that all my ministry. So uh, we're going we're gonna to do that together. <clears throat> so if you would stand with me and we'll look at Acts chapter 8. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people were with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simeon, or Simon, which beforehand, before time, in the same city, used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because of that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip concerning Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost." So we'll end our reading with verse 17 in this passage. Ask the good Lord's help. Dear Lord, as we look at the scripture this morning, I pray, dear Lord, that it will come clear and plain to us that, Lord, uh, either non-familiarity with it will keep us from understanding it, nor with a great deal of contact with it, that it would somehow cloud our mind. I pray, dear Lord, that 
your Holy Spirit will continue with us this morning. Thank you, dear Lord, for those that were able to get out this morning, that the weather that has been a factor time to time was such that we, we can come together this morning. We thank you for that. And we pray, dear Lord, that you'll speak to our hearts as we look at the word. Lord, as I endeavor to explain, uh, I pray, dear Lord, the Holy Spirit will make it clear, make it plain so that people will understand that this is something that can benefit if they have not experienced this, that they can receive help from this. Have your hand upon us this morning, and we pray, dear Lord, that you will block every effort of the enemy to disturb, to distract, to destroy, to tear down. I pray, dear Jesus, that your name will be exalted. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated for the message. So, when we look at this scripture, and of course I started in at verse 5, might help you to know that uh, before this time, uh, there was quite a few things that went on. And one of those things was that uh, Saul, uh, whom we call Paul, was not a current convert yet. He was not saved. He was not a believer. He was stirring up all that he could against the Christians and seeing the Christians were put to death in some cases uh, if he had anything to do with it. And so it was, it was a, a turbulent time, but the scripture tells us that when Saul was doing this, that it displaced the Christians, that they left and went out to other areas. They left Jerusalem and went out to other areas. As they went, uh, they proclaimed the saving grace of Jesus Christ. They let people know that, that Jesus had made a difference in their lives. So you, talk, you can talk about uh, how terrible persecution is, uh, but think about the fact that as they were stirred to go out of their place because of persecution, <clears throat> the gospel was spread. I got a cough drop trying to drown that cough, but sometimes it helps, sometimes it doesn't do everything it's supposed to do. So the scripture tells us that uh, they were, they were uh, going and carrying the message. Uh, they didn't go as mutes. They went telling the story that Jesus could make a difference in people's lives, that, that Jesus could change people. Uh, we're told that uh, prior to this time that uh, there was a problem in the church. And this, we're not talking about church building. They didn't have church buildings. They went to the synagogue 
and uh, sometimes uh, to the temple. Of course, one temple, many synagogues, uh, but uh, they used the Jewish houses of worship. And so uh, the scripture tells us that uh, they, as they did this, uh, that there, was, there were works of charity that were being done also, that uh, people were being fed, widows and others that uh, were in need of help were being taken care of. And the Bible says in the previous chapters of Acts that as, as they did this, uh, that there arose some controversy uh, about how they were being served. And so uh, the, the disciples, the twelve, if you look in chapter 6 of the book of Acts, if you've got your Bible and you want to look at it, you can. <clears throat> chapter 6, it says, In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. So these are all Jews, but they are Hellenists. They're Greek-speaking Jews, as well as Hebrew. Because of their widows, their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. When the food was passed out, they thought some people were getting slighted. And so there was, there was a murmuring that took place. And you know how to murmur, don't you? That, that's that, that lander tone of, of communication. You're not happy about something, so you're kind of talking among yourselves. And, you know, you, you see that? You see that? Uh, yeah, they, they, did, they did that on purpose. Uh, so then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God to serve tables. So this is what the apostles said. We're, we're not going to break off from what we're doing, preaching the word. So he said, they said, look out from among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost. Wow, this, this is pretty uh, specific. They had, to be, they had to have a good reputation. Uh, they had to be honest. They had to be full of the Holy Ghost. And guess what? Wisdom, too. They were supposed to be wise, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And so the whole multitude was pleased with that. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith, the Holy Ghost. And the same can be said of all these men. Philip. It could be added, a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost. It could be said of Prochorus, of Nicanor, and Timon, Timon, and all of them could be the same. That was the qualification. Well, it didn't go real well with the first one they appointed. 
he started preaching. He preached a lot. <laughs> and he got on some toes and he wound up being the first martyr of the Christian church. This was Stephen. They stoned him to death, but he left a great testimony. So, now, I, I read to you that uh, there was persecution and that they were scattered because of the persecution. So, uh, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem but others went other places, and as they went, they spread the gospel. <clears throat> so, one of these fellows that went out was Philip. Philip's the first man to be called an evangelist. You know, we think about an evangelist. We have Nelson Perdue come in. He's an evangelist. Uh, he carries the word of God and explains it and preaches the gospel. Goes about doing that. So uh, they had the, the funeral for Stephen. Uh, Saul's making havoc in verse 3 of chapter 8. And uh, so they're all scattered. Everyone was preaching the word, though. So Philip goes down to Samaria. Now, you know about Samaria. We know the story of the Good Samaritan, don't we? And Jesus used the Good Samaritan because that was the opposite of what the Jews thought of Samaritans. They didn't really think anybody was a good Samaritan. So the scripture tells us that when, they, when, they, when Philip went down to the city of Samaria, they preached Christ unto them. Now, remember when the disciples told Jesus the Samaritans wouldn't receive Jesus to come through and they said help us so we can have a little holy dynamite napalm <laughs> to take care of these people because they won't receive you and Jesus said you don't know what spirit you're of we're not we're not come to destroy so Jesus paid no attention to their slight even though he was not received Remember, it was Jesus that talked to the Samaritan woman at the well. And she was a woman that didn't have a very good reputation, according to what we understand from the conversation Jesus had with her there in the book of John. And so, the Samaritans. So here's Philip. He's gone down to a place where these despised people live. Who were these Samaritans? Well, you find out when you read in the Old Testament that that whole northern section of Israel was carried away. Not every individual, but a lot of the individuals were carried away out of the land of Israel. And I've told you before, and we'll not take a long time with this, but there was the upper part called Israel, there was the southern part that was called Judah. Uh, Jerusalem was part of that. So this, because these people served idols, because they departed from God, God allowed them to be conquered by their enemies and they were carried away. Uh, many of them were in their 
and in the, into their land. Wow, you kind of wonder about what's going on on our land, don't you? All the people that are being brought in here. Sometimes you wonder where you are when you're in the store uh, because uh, they're not talking English. They're gibbering something, and you can't figure out what they're saying. You know, I was in Sam's Club the other day, and I, I had gone to the funeral of one of our great missionaries that passed away, Don Seymour. A lot of times I change my clothes so I don't have to ride in my suit and so forth, and I've got other things to do, but I, I didn't change. I had almost, I had a different suit on, but I had the same tie on. I went into, I went into Sam's Club and got some stuff. Uh, I was coming out, and they check you at the, at the exit. Check your receipt. They check your cart to see if, make sure you're not carrying stuff out you're not supposed to carry out. An extra oatmeal or something like that. So, <laughs> so, so I was coming out and the gal's standing there and she's checking and she saw me and she said, who are you? <laughs> I, just, I said, I'm a Christian minister. She said, oh, thank you. I think she thought maybe I worked for the Pope or something. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure, but, but this tie is kind of in your face a little bit, isn't it, <laughs> with that cross. Uh, so, uh, yeah, who are you? So, uh, the scripture tells us that these Samaritans were people that were of a mixed background. Yeah, they had been brought in. Some had been brought in from other territories. And so... They were, they were pagans. Uh, but then there were some Israelites that were still in that northern kingdom that knew about the true God, even though they had gone off into idolatry also. And so there was intermarriages that took place with the pagans and the Israelites. Well, the people down in the southern part of Israel didn't accept that. These people were rejects because they were like half-breeds. And the people up in the northern part uh, did not like those that lived in the southern part, and so uh, they didn't want to go to their temple to worship. They, they built their own temple up on Mount Gerizim, and uh, they t established that from... Uh, where uh, Abraham had called on, on the Lord, Abraham or Jacob, I can't remember who it was now, in Shechem. And so, uh, but they didn't accept all the law. They only accepted the first five books of the Bible, first the Pentateuch, the first five books of Moses. So uh, they had their own, their own customs, their own way. And so here Philip goes down into this territory that was shunned by a lot of the Jews. And so the scripture says that he preached, he preached Christ unto them. Well, that's a good thing to do, isn't it? Preach Christ. There's a lot of other things being preached today, but I'm not going to digress to that. 
but he preached Christ. And, and, and it had effect. Uh, the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spoke. So God enabled Philip to also do miracles. Uh, they, they heard him. They saw miracles which he did. And uh, there was great deliverance. Unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them. And there was a great deal of healing. People that were palsied, people that were lame, paralyzed, people uh, with all kind of problems. Uh, so they accepted. And there, the, the thing you know, they got saved, people. They got saved because there's great joy in the city. There's great joy. They received Christ. We're not going to spend any time on Simon because he's a case in himself. Uh, he's got a lot of problems, a lot of hang-ups, and I hope he got straightened out, but, but he was definitely a messed-up person, wasn't he? Uh, so, but they all gave heed and were baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, that's good. I told you some time ago that people... If people in the New Testament were not baptized, believers wouldn't know what to do with them because that's a statement to say, I'm, I'm a Christ follower. I'm following the way of Jesus. Well, I said the apostles were still at Jerusalem. Word got back to the apostles that the gospel had been preached in Samaria. And Jesus had said, take, take it, take the gospel everywhere, didn't he? To the uttermost part of the earth, take the gospel. So Philip was not in any trouble. He was just putting into practice what Jesus had said to do. And so the gospel's preached. People get saved. Boy, I got a few stories I could tell you on that, but I can't take the time to do that today. And so... Uh, the scripture says that when the, when the apostles heard it, uh, that uh, they, they felt that something ought to be done. The apostles at Jerusalem, in verse 14, heard that Samaria had received the word of God. And they sent it to them, Peter and John. Now that's two pretty important people, isn't it? Peter and John. Um, what about James? Peter, James, and John. James had been put to death by Herod. So Peter and John, they traveled with Jesus a long time. And what are they concerned about? They're concerned that these people might receive, this is verse 15, might receive the Holy Spirit spirit or the Holy Ghost. They want these people to receive the Holy Ghost. And so they went down with that express intention. Now you know that Nelson Perdue travels around and he's known as a holiness preacher. And that's what he's preaching. He's going into churches where he's invited and he'll preach sermons on receiving the Holy Spirit. 
Now, because this can be a very, a very involved, and I'm not saying confusing, I'm saying involved, there are a lot of different terminologies that have to do with receiving the Holy Spirit. Now, what had happened to these apostles? We read about it in the book of Acts. In chapter 2, they were all waiting, and you can look at it, and the Holy Spirit came. There was the sound of a rushing mighty wind, and, and there were cloven tongues of fire. And these, these disciples were, I mean, they were saved people. Some people want to say they got saved on the day of Pentecost. I'll tell you what. That dog won't hunt because that's not true. They were saved. They did know the saving power of Jesus Christ. And they were ready if they died right then to go to heaven. But they were told to wait. And so they did. And the scripture says that the Holy Spirit came and emboldened them and helped them. Uh, they spoke in other languages. But that was not the important thing here. That was communication. Do you want to know what Peter talked about uh, when uh, he talks about what went on on the day of Pentecost? He doesn't mention any of that. Uh, and this is another one of those church councils. You know I read some stuff to you that was councils you think, well, that, maybe that shouldn't happen. There shouldn't be church councils. Well, of course, we have councils that meet in the Churches of Christ Christian Union. Uh, but there were councils that were, that were held, uh, and there was one that was held to figure out what, how Gentiles ought to, ought to behave. Should they keep all the rules the Jews have to keep? And so they had a big council about it. And it's, it's found in the 15th chapter of the book of Acts. Yeah, you can turn to it. It's in your Bible. Acts 15. And Peter, who was the head speaker on the day of Pentecost, he's the one whose sermon is printed, is at this council, and it's in 15... Chapter 15, verse 7, you're still in the book of Acts. And when there had been much dis disputing. Wow, that, all, that went on with councils that I was at, at Churches of Christ and Christian Union. Didn't it, Reverend Young? We had much disputing. So that's a tradition that has carried on. <laughs> Different points of view. When there had been much disputing. Now, Peter... He should be an expert. He's traveled with the Lord, and he spoke the leading message, at least the ones recorded for us at Pentecost. Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Well, he's talking about Cornelius. <clears throat> but this is what he said. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness. 
giving them the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, even as he did unto us. So he's talking about Pentecost now, isn't he? They got the Holy Spirit just like we did at Pentecost. And he put no difference between us and them. He doesn't talk about what went on at Pentecost. You remember the, the sound of a rushing mighty wind? You remember, you remember the cloven tongues of fire? He doesn't mention any of that. He said this is what happened. He put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. These were saved people. Cornelius was a God-fearer. God heard his prayer. God wanted him to know about the Holy Spirit. So he sent Peter. Well, here are these people. They've learned about Jesus here in Samaria. This is like a Samaritan Pentecost, isn't it? So Peter and John go down, and these are only willing participants. Nobody was forced to this. They had all been baptized. I'm back now in the book of Acts chapter, five, chapter 8, and I'm at verse 16. Uh, the Holy Spirit had not come upon any of them. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And here they, the apostles laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. So... This was an important thing that they not only be saved, but they also be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit cannot be received by people that are not Christians, that are not saved. Jesus himself set those guidelines, if you look in John chapter 14, yeah, you can turn to it, it's in your Bible, John 14, and Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, here he calls him the Spirit of Truth. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was all excited. This is close to the time when he's going to be crucified. Jesus was all excited about the Holy Spirit coming. Because the Holy Spirit is the power of God working in the lives of believers. Now, if you're saved, yes, you have the Holy Spirit. Because Romans 8 says that you cannot be a Christian without having the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is talking about a fullness of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about, he's talking about being fully indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So he's, he calls him the Spirit of Truth. And we believe in the Trinity, don't we? God the Father, God the Son... God the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Jesus said, I'm going away, but I'm going, to, I'm going to send one to you. 
He said, I will not leave you comfortless. Some people think that the Holy Spirit's just there. Oh, it's okay. It's okay, dear heart. Don't, don't worry. Uh, pat on the back. No, the Holy Spirit does much more than help us through times of grief. The Holy Spirit gives us strength to do what's right in times of pressure and to keep the faith. So Jesus says here, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. So a person can't come to the altar that's not a Christian and say, I want, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You'd just be wasting your breath. They can't receive the Holy Spirit. They have to be a Christian first. And that doesn't matter if you're what denomination you're a part of. You have to be a Christian. You have to know Christ in his saving work of grace in your life. And once you know him, then you get some benefits. And this Holy Spirit coming into your life is one of the benefits for a Christian to be victorious. So he also says in John 17, you can look at that too, couple chapters over. <clears throat> he says, when he's talking about those that he's leaving, uh, he wants God to be glorified in them. Uh, and he says uh, in verse 9, I pray for them. I pray for them. I pray for people who are following me. I pray not for the world. Well, Jesus, the whole world needs to be saved. Yes, they do. And we need to pray that they will be saved. But this prayer is a prayer for God's people to be holy people. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. They belong to us. And so... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be going a little fast here because time's getting away. And because I didn't feel like I was just supposed to talk about the wonderful thing that happened here, but tell you there's a wonderful thing that can happen in your life that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's different names that's given to it. Some of the Bible names that you run across for what happens is a word we call or a word that is sanctification. Now you can hear this word a lot of times on the radio. You're progressing in your sanctification. Oh, that sounds, well, that's good. Yeah, I want to progress in my sanctification. But maybe they're talking about an entirely different thing. They're talking about growing into something that you've never received. Because a lot of times they're talking about sins that have been committed and now you're wanting to get a little closer to God so you're going on with sanctification. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that happened here in a moment of time. They laid their hands on these people and they received the Holy Spirit. Are we talking about the same thing? Yes. We're talking about sanctification. Jesus prayed that. 
And once again, that would be in John 17, verse 17. He said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Now, I didn't turn to it, but I'm sure I quoted it right, but I'm going to turn to it, and that gives you time to turn to it. You say, Preacher, why do you, uh, why do you turn to verses and stuff? One time when I was preaching, I had somebody come to me and say, you know, the, verse, the reference you gave me was not the verse you thought it was. So I thought, okay, I'll start turning to these verses and I'll read them. And then I'll know I got the right one. So that's what we're doing, isn't it? Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. What does sanctify mean? It means to make holy. It means to make holy. And I know the dictionary is changing a lot of things around so they can accommodate the agenda of the modern times. That is a basic meaning of sanctify, to make holy. So if we talk about holiness then, we're talking about people that are sanctified, aren't we? Well, would you believe that uh, uh, Thessalonians talked about, talks about being sanctified? Now I said you, got, you have to have the Holy Spirit. You have, to, you have to have the Holy Spirit or you're not a Christian. Romans 8 tells us that. And, and I can give you the reference on that, but we're not going to take time to do it right now. But if you look in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. <clears throat> now, you know that most of the letters in the New Testament were written to Christians. Yeah, there's some things about sinners, and there's direction. Romans says a lot of things about people that need to be saved. But a lot, of, a lot of the letters were written to churches, to, to people that were trying to get established in things of God. So look at 523 in 1 Thessalonians. Have you found it? It kind of hides in there. It gets, you get past Galatians, Ephesians, and Philippians, and all that, Colossians, and you come to Thessalonians. 523. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And that's W-H-O-L-L-Y. And Dr. Tom Hermes says that means through and through. That's completely, and that's why we call it entire sanctification. Now I can give you an example. Once again, our time's running out, but I, we're going to do it anyway. Go to Corinthians. Look at Corinthians. And we're talking about, I'm talking about 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> and look in chapter 3. Well, I said I, said I would show you something, so I need to go back uh, in chapter 1 for this. Uh, chapter 1, verse 2. And then we'll go to chapter 3. So did you find Corinthians? Am I working you too hard? Okay. Okay, you can take it. All right. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Under the church of God. Oh, don't say church of Christ and Christian union. 
Oh, I think we know what he meant. The church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Their calling was to go on. They have been, they have been sanctified. They've been set apart as being Christians. They've been forgiven. But God wants them to go on. Paul says, called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you. Oh, we need the grace of God, don't we? What was going on here? The Bible says that these people were not sanctified holy. They were sanctified. They had been forgiven. Look in chapter 3. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual but as unto carnal. Now, if you, haven't, if you haven't been in the church very long, you don't know this word very well. But those of us that have been in church for a while, we know this word very well. Isn't that right, voice from the back? That's right. Amen. <laughs> and we didn't even practice that. So... They were carnal when people, when people have a love of human praise above that of God, when they exhibit selfishness. Well, if they put that color of carpet down, I'm not going to that church. If, if they want, if they think for one minute I'm going to support that, I won't put my offering in. Selfishness. Uh, sensitiveness. Oh, I was so hurt. I was so hurt. I don't, I don't think I can ever go again because I was so hurt. Maybe even a few tears. Stubbornness. I don't care what that preacher says. He thinks he's... 18 inches above contradiction. I'll show him. Stubbornness. How about pride? Put on spiritual airs and spiritual parade of how great we are. Well, after all, uh, it, was, it was my ancestors that started that church. And so I think I have a say in what goes on. I'm, I think I'm the boss, actually. So uh, they, were, they were carnal. They were babies. And there's good sermons there. Paul says, I fed you with milk and not with meat. Uh, in verse 3, he says, For ye are yet carnal. Nelson Perdue points out that when he says, For you are yet carnal, he is stating that they don't have to be carnal. They don't have to be. That there is a cure for that. And that is the Holy Spirit coming in and you yielding yourself to Him. Now, 
holiness, I said, when we talk about that, we're talking about the same thing. Uh, look at 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're getting pretty close to the end here, and I'm skipping a lot of things. I want you to know that. I'm trying to work with you people, okay? Okay, we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, and Peter says this in verses 15... Well, let's go to 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or every part of your life is what conversation means there. It don't mean talk. It means living. Verse 16, this is Old Testament because it is written... Be ye holy. What does that mean? Be sanctified. For I am holy. Okay, so here we have people that needed another dip, as Benny Tate, who has spoken at our ministers' conferences at Circleville sometimes. They needed another dip. Uh, they needed some more work done. They needed another trip. And they needed to ask God to come in his fullness and to fill their hearts. Say, where do you get that, preacher? Well, look over at Romans chapter 12. And verse 1. Romans 12. In verse 1, are your fingers getting sore, leafing through, not the yellow pages, but the white pages? Okay. I beseech you is what the old King James says. It might say, I beg you, I implore you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, they're Christians, by the mercies of God, what is the mercy of God? That Jesus died on the cross and you can be saved, you can be forgiven of your sins. That you present your bodies, that is your physical body, a living sacrifice. Present it to be holy, H-O-L-Y acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now you say, preacher, you've done, you've, you've chased us all around in this scripture. Uh, actually, do you even know where you started out? Yeah, I started out in Acts chapter 8. And I was talking about when the apostles thought it was very important to come down and pray for these new converts that had been baptized in the name of Jesus. They're going on. They're going on. They've been baptized. But they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know where that will happen to you in your walk with the Lord. 
the longer we stay in the wilderness, sometimes the worse it gets because there's things in our lives that need to be surrendered to the Lord. And so sanctification, as Dr. Thomas H. Hermes says, is a twofold word. Not a double meaning, but it has a twofold meaning. One of them is to set aside for a holy purpose. We can do that when we do what Romans says. We can say, Lord, I give myself to you, and I want you to have control of my life. Where he leads me, I will follow. Whatever your will is in my life. We have that part, but we can't make ourselves holy. It takes the Holy Spirit to do that. And so when we submit ourselves to him, we ask him to fill us with his spirit and help us to be obedient to him. Now we can go down a whole lot of different roads. Does pe roads. Does, do people backslide from that? Absolutely they do. do. Do people fail to be faithful to that? Absolutely they do. We could probably, we could probably start naming them about people that didn't follow through. <coughs> but that's not our job. Our job is to make ourselves available for God to use us and to try to walk in the light every day as he is in the light. Can we fail? Absolutely. Does it mean if we are made holy, we cannot ever sin again? No, there's no such thing as that in this life. Does that mean you're not going to be tempted? Absolutely, you're going to be tempted. Does it mean you're going to have more control? Absolutely, because the Holy Spirit's going to help you. Just as he came and saved you, and even though you have that old nature or that old mind in you called the carnal mind, the Holy Spirit gives you power to overcome things that are wrong, things that are bad, and to walk in the path of righteousness. It's what David prayed clear back in the 23rd Psalm, wasn't it? Lead us in the paths of righteousness for your namesake. And we need his leadership. And so it wasn't, oh no, we thought we got it all at one time. You mean there's another trip to the altar? <laughs> another trip doesn't do it folks it's a conditional heart <coughs> it's saying yes to God's will in our lives and trying to walk in his light and so I leave that with you that's what the preacher has to do when he preaches he leaves it with you and the Lord and the Lord leads us at different paces at different, at different speeds and some of us may have more information than others. Some of us see things different than others. But that's what the Word of God says, that God wants us to be holy people. And that's one of the things we saw in our camp meeting a lot of times when we go to the old tabernacle. Holiness unto the Lord. <laughs> and we sing the song, don't we? 
holiness unto the Lord. <coughs> now I thought, I'm going to preach this, I'm going to teach this. That was kind of a preaching, teaching thing, wasn't it? But guess what this is? It's the manual. It's the manual. You know what that means? It just means it's the manual. Okay? There's some things in this manual that's pretty interesting. And I'm not going to read you everything that's in this manual on sanctification. But there it is. And I'll tell you right now, along with Dr. Thomas H. Hermes, that you can go in 90 or more percent of churches today, you'll never hear anything about being sanctified holy to the will of God. You never hear a thing about it. You just hear about growth in grace and getting closer to God and progressing in your sanctification and trying to quit watching porn on your computer and things like that. Okay, uh, this is what the book says. This is our guidebook. It's not, doesn't supersede the Bible. But the verses in here are from the Bible. It says entire sanctification. Notice I said the word entire is a second definite work of God's grace. That's A. And one of the scriptures that we read is in there. B, all sanctification involves separation from sin to God. Yeah. C, sanctification enables us to live above sin. God doesn't want us to be in the alley with the devil's belly goats eating tin cans. Sanctification, this is D, sanctification involves specific conditions. And we've talked about them. Surrender. Being open to the will of God. And so, I'm pretty proud of our book. And I'm pretty proud I can share it with you because a lot of churches and other denominations don't have a book like this and some that do don't pay attention to it. So, I hope the message speaks to your heart this morning. Let's stand together.